this afternoon in the book of Philippians chapter 4. If you have a washer on a piece of fishing string, hang on to it. We're going to get into that in just a minute. If you don't have one, I apologize. I was only able to tie up so many before church. If you're really upset about it, you can borrow one from your neighbor when they're not looking. Philippians in chapter number 4. Before we get started reading this afternoon, I want you to take your washer on a piece of fishing string. I don't want you to hold it up in front of your face. If you have a kid in your arms, please pass your washer to somebody next to you. We don't need to hit them in the head. Hold your washer up in front of your head. Try your best to hold it still with your left hand. Hold it in your right hand if your right hand dominant. If you're left-handed, hold it up in your left hand and hold the washer still with your other hand. You need to have both hands on the string and the washer at this time. Whenever I tell you to turn the washer loose with your bottom hand, I want you to turn it loose. But first, I want you to think real hard. I want you to think side to side. With your mind, you're going to move this washer. I want you to think side to side. Release your bottom hand and think side to side. And as you're thinking, this washer is going to be moving side to side. You may not see it at first, but the washer will move side to side. Now I want you to grab the washer and hold it still again. I want you to think forward and backwards, front and back. And as you're thinking front and back, this washer is going to begin to move front and back. You watch it very carefully. The washer will move front and back. Turn it loose with your hand. Move it forward and backwards with your mind. Oh. <laughs> now here's what I want you to do. I want you to think. I want you to think this is stupid. There's no way that's not going to work. And you watch the washer stop moving. The moment that you think it's stupid and that it's not going to work, the washer stops moving. Whenever you're done with your washer, you can put it back in your hand. Don't let it distract you from the rest of the service. You control that washer with your mind. The power of thought is very, very, very powerful. The longer the string, the easier it is to see your washer move. If you held the string right above the washer, you couldn't see it move because there wasn't enough distance between your hand and the washer. If you held it at the end, you can see the washer move. If you're thinking side to side, subconsciously your hand, your body is going to shake just, just an inkling. And that's what's controlling the washer. It's not actually your mind. But your mind is a very, very, very powerful thing. Philippians chapter number 4 Verse number 8, it says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Does the state of your mind determine the outcome in a lot of situations? Philippians 4, verse number 8. The state of your mind determines the outcome of the washer. The way that you were thinking forward and backward, move that washer forward and backward. The way that you were thinking left and right, side to side, move that washer left and right. In the moment that you thought that this is stupid, there's no way this is going to work, then the washer stopped moving. It's the same way with life. Whenever you believe that something is going to work, whenever you believe that something is going to happen, whenever you have that mindset going into a situation, it's always been told to athletes that whenever you enter a game, think that you're going to have a 50-point night. If you're entering a football game, a game, believe that you're going to score five touchdowns. Whenever you step up to the plate, you have to step up to the plate believing that you're going to hit a home run. Because if you step up to the plate believing that you will strike out, what's going to happen? So many times in our life, what we think determines the outcome. In a lot of situations, the way the, the state that our mind is in determines the outcome. And tonight I want to look at some things that God told us to think on. Paul is talking to the church here. But through God's Word, He is talking to us. He said, finally, brother, whatsoever things are true, think on these things. Whatsoever things are honest, think on these things. The question I have tonight to all of us, what occupies our mind? 
What is it that occupies our mind? I had a guy say one time, it must be crazy what's going on in your head. I said, you don't want to live here. You don't. You don't want to live up here. It's, it's wild. It's crazy. So many times in our life, we get so wrapped up in everything and our mind is going in every which direction. What occupies our mind oftentimes is everything but what should be occupying our mind. It's everything but what should we should be focused on. Paul said, if it is true, think on that. If it is honest, think on that. If it is pure, if it is just, if it is lovely, if it is of good report, if there is any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. What is it that we think about all the time? What is it that occupies our mind? In the book of Deuteronomy, God has given the law to His people. And He told Moses, He said, tell the people to always teach their kids. I'm paraphrasing. He said, teach the kids. He said, whenever they wake up, teach it. Whenever they go to bed, teach it. Write it on your wall. Write it on your doorpost. Our pledge to the Christian, uh, our pledge to the Bible. I pledge allegiance to the Bible, God's holy word. I will make it a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. And his word will I hide in my heart that I might not sin against God. Do we do that? Is God's Word a lamp and a light for us? Does it guide our way? Are we the type of person who's shining the flashlight here and focusing over here? Shining a light and looking in the opposite direction. Because if God is leading us this direction, but we're thinking about everything but God, then we're going to find ourselves going off in the opposite direction because our focus is not in the right place. However, if, you focus, if you're focused in the right place, if our mind is on things that are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report, if our mind are on these things, don't you think we'll be so much happier? Don't you think we'll be better off? A lot of times we'll approach problems with the mindset or we'll approach people. We are the worst about approaching people thinking I can't help them. There's some lame stubborn. You ever think that? You walk up to a person trying to help you, you ain't going to change their mind. You ain't going to change their mind because they are so stubborn. If we walk up believing that, guess what? We have already lost God didn't tell us to change their mind. He told us to, 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 to preach to them. He told us to share with them the gospel. We don't have to change their mind. God does that. Jesus said whenever you pray, pray believing. Pray in faith. If I pray but I don't believe that God is going to hear my prayer, if I don't believe that God is answering my prayer, if I don't believe that God is even paying attention to me, then what, what cause does God have to pay attention to me? If I don't believe that He's going to do it, if I don't believe that He can do it, and I've already lost, then I become an unbeliever. I become one who has a lack of faith in God. It is very, very simple to say we ought to think on good things. It's very easy. But so many times in our life we'll find ourselves, we was watching the Saints game today as they were getting thumped by North Carolina. Uh, by South Carolina. Whoever the Panthers are. Was watching the Saints get thumped by the Panthers and, and all of a sudden here comes commercials and we watched commercial after commercial. And they were awful. They were awful. The first one was beer. The second one was some other kind of alcohol. And then the third one was Trojans. And it wasn't talking about the football team. Sin and sin and sin. And then he come back to the football game again. We may be trying to watch the football game for our entertainment. 
but the things that occupy our mind, if, if we if we watch it and we dwell on it and we allow it to, to take seed in our mind, those are the things that can hurt us. You've always heard that, that an idle mind devil's workplace. I'm not saying that our minds should be idle. I'm not saying that our minds should be focused on absolutely nothing. I'm saying that our minds should be focused on the things of God. And I'm not saying that a football game is bad. I sat down and watched like four plays. That's all I had time for. I sat down and watched it. I'm not saying football is bad. I, I enjoy watching football games sometimes. I'm saying that the things that occupy our mind can be seeded whenever we pay attention to the things of the world more than the things of God. Whenever we see things on TV that, that we know is sin and we know is wrong, do we know that in our mind or do we allow it to take seed? Well, we do have that option. Whenever we drive around and we have the opportunity to see things, to hear things, to listen things, we have the unlimited amount of sin in our hand every day. Unlimited. As simple as you want to be. Old preachers used to say, well, you don't go out waller in the gutter. The gutter has now come to us. And we have the option, the opportunity to fall into that every day. Is our mind occupied by the things of the world? Or is our mind occupied by the things of God? Verse number 9, Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. The God of peace shall be with you. He said, what you have seen in me. Do. Paul said, I'm your example. Jesus said, I'm your example. God said, my word is your example. We have so many examples today, but we're following after all the wrong ones. In elementary school, they always ask us. Or they always used to ask. I'm not in elementary school anymore. They always ask kids, who's your hero? They always ask kids, who's their hero? They always do this. Ours was a little circle thing, and, and you had to tell about your hero. And people would choose, well, back in my day, people would choose Michael Jordan or Shaq. Or they would choose George Strait, a country singer. They would choose Lane Frost, a bull rider. They would choose Randy Johnson, a baseball player. They would choose Brett Favre, a football player. They would always choose a celebrity. An actor, an athlete, somebody of, of fame. George Bush. Bill Clinton. Elementary kids were misled too. <laughs> They'd always choose somebody famous. If we had to choose our hero today, somebody that we're going to look up to, and then whenever you talk about a hero, you're talking about somebody that, that, you're, that you admire. Who are we going to choose? Matthew McConaughey gave a speech during one of them something or others that he won. He said, my hero is me 10 years from now. Whenever I saw the title of that speech, I had to listen to it. So I went and listened to it, and we did a report on dissecting that speech in, in class, one of my educational classes. And, and it was a good written speech. He put a lot of time and thought into it. But it's very egotistical to say that my goal, my person who I admire the most is me in 10 years. Because if I admire me the most, if I admire that person that I want to be, and, and that's what he was making the point of his speech, he said, I want to be that person. And that's who I admire. That's what I chase. I chase the me that I want to be in 10 years. I could want to be as good and as, as good a person as I can be. 
But I'm still not admiring the right person. I'm still not calling the, the right person my hero. I'm still not trying to model my life after the right person. Paul said the things that you have seen in me. God said that Jesus is our example. Who are we going to model our life after? If we had the opportunity to be famous for a day, that's another question they give elementary junior high kids. If you could be famous for a day, if you could model your life after a, a famous athlete or a politician, would you? Because we don't, we don't see everything that is to do with them, but we see Jesus for who He is. We see unconditional love. We see Paul for who he is. And, and no doubt a man of mistakes and a sinner. You see a man that traveled thousands and thousands of miles, the greatest missionary of his time, to preach to people that didn't want nothing to do with him. Paul said, these things that you have seen, these things that you have learned, received and heard, then do. Most of us in this building, most all of our life, we've been taught about it. In some shape, form, or fashion, we've been taught about it. We've been taught that you should train up a child in the way he should go. We've been taught that correction is something required of God. And whenever we mess up, God will correct us just as parents ought to correct their kids. We've been taught to forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. We've been taught to give. The Bible says in the law a tenth. We've been taught to tithe. We've been taught to take care of the church grounds. We've been taught to meet. We've been taught to praise. We've been taught to study. We've been taught to love. We've been taught it. But do we do it? Did we receive it? Or is it just something we heard one time? There's a formula in calculus. It's called the quadratic equation. And it's crazy. It's insane. It's, it's dumb. But there's no way in the world that you can learn quadratics. There's no way that you can find the answer whenever it comes to quadratics without that specific equation. There's no other way to do it. That's the only way. And you can sit there in class until you're blue in the face. But if you don't receive it, if you don't learn it, then you're stopping right there. You can't go any further. There's no point beyond that until you grasp, and, and my teacher taught us to learn it to uh, the jack-in-the-box thing. Y'all remember that? So it was uh, A squared plus or minus square root B squared minus 4A, all over 2A, something like that. But it, 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 if, if you didn't grasp that, there was no point in trying to go further. It wasn't going to happen. Our point for that in the Bible is, is committing our life to God. Now that's not in salvation. Committing our life to God does not save us. Saving, uh, only faith and trust in Jesus Christ can save us. But immediately following that, we have a choice to make. We can be a saved person who follows God, or we can be a saved person who don't follow God. There are them two types of saved people. There are people who are going to heaven today, but have nothing to do with God beyond He saved their soul. All over the world. In our community, in our state, in our parish. Probably in our families. They're saved, but they don't want anything to do with God. And then there are saved people who choose. Salvation is their starting point. They received it. And then they moved on into the Bible. The Bible is either going to make a difference in our life. 
or it's not. And it all depends on us. Where is our focus? Is our focus on the things of God or is our focus on the things above? Uh, 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 on the things below or the things above? Is our focus on everything else in this world or is it on what God wants me to do? Is our focus on how I can help Him or on, he, on how He can help me? There's a... I don't remember who made the statement. One of them presidents. He said, ask not what you could do for what your country could do for you, but what you could do for your country. Didn't one of them presidents say that? Okay. Before my time. Way before my time. Ask not what you can what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Ask not what God can do for you, but what you can do for God. Ask not what your church could do for you, but what you could do for your church. Ask not how your brothers and sisters in Christ can serve you, but how you can serve them. Ask not how you can help and encourage the youth of the church, but how... Excuse me, I got that one backwards. Ask not how they can encourage you, but how you can encourage them, how you can help them. Don't ask how, how, how is it, because then it becomes all about me. Whenever we walk around with our hand out and our pocket open, like, hey, what, are you, what can you do for me? It's not about what you can do for me. It's about what we can do for other people. That was the message of Christ. He didn't, he didn't really ask a lot of other people. He told two men to go out and plow a field. Didn't give them a reason. Didn't give them much of anything. He said, go plow a field. Don't belong to you. He told a man that hadn't walked in years to stand up, take your bed and walk. And the man didn't have any money. Peter and... Peter and John? I don't remember who it was. Came to the temple. And the man laying in the gate. Was that Peter and... Peter and James? Okay. Peter or somebody. It came to the gate of the temple. And the man is laying there. He ain't walked in forever. He said, give me. Give me, give me, give me. They said, silver and gold have we none. But what we have, we give unto you. That man couldn't do anything for them. That lame man could not help Jesus. But Jesus sure helped him. Those ten lepers that Jesus healed couldn't do anything for him. But he did everything for them. Whenever you and I were lost in our sins, we couldn't do anything for Jesus. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When we were unlovable, he died for us. So why can't we live for him? Why can't we dwell on the things that are good? Why can't we think on the things that are good? These things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen do. Why do we struggle so much with that? So many times we make a decision that will affect the rest of our day. Quick, fast, and in a hurry. You get up in the morning, if it's raining, your first step, you get water in your shoe, or you put your foot down in your boot and there's a roach or a rat, and your day just starts off terrible. You go to make your coffee and there ain't no coffee. You go to get a Mountain Dew and you realize you gave up Mountain Dew. And your day just starts off bad. You ever notice how the rest of your day don't get no better? 
whenever you step on a roach or a rat or your feet get wet, do you thank God for the rain? Do you thank God for boots? Whenever you don't have Mountain Dew, do you thank God for water or root beer? When your coffee don't work, coffee maker don't work, do you thank God for the Mac Cafe that we can drive through at the wall at the McDonald's and get? Do we thank God for the health and the strength to get up every morning? The way that we think determines a lot about our life. An awful lot. And Paul said, be very careful the way you think. He said, think on the things that are true, the things that are honest, the things that are just, the things that are pure, the things that are lovely, the things that are of good report. If you look at all of those, there are very, very, very few things in this world that are true. My brother built a set of, built his cabinet drawers for his house. And he got over there and commenced the building and Daddy built the first one for him and said, hey, this is how you do it. He set it on the table and left and Trey built the rest of them. Whenever he got finished, not a single drawer in his house fit. None of them. They were worse than mine. I only had four that didn't fit. None of his fit. We went over there. I went over there with him to take a look and see what was going on. Every single one of them was a quarter and a, uh, no, three-eighths. Three-eighths of an inch off. Just, I mean, just a wiggle, but the drawer slides wouldn't fit. The end of his tape measure. We pulled two tapes and his was measuring three-eighths of an inch long. The tape measures weren't right. Tape measures are supposed to be standard. They're supposed to be true. That's why I have trust issues. Tape, me- tape measures are different. Whatsoever things are good and true and honest and pure, there isn't much that man has created that is good and true and honest and pure. There ain't much. All of that comes from God. So whenever we begin to think on the things that are good and true and honest and pure and lovely and of good report, the only things that we can think on is things of God. And that will make all the difference in our day. I hope and pray that this upcoming week that we can think on the things of God. That whenever it starts coming down to rain outside, we don't get mad we left the windows down. We thank God for the rain. Whenever the sun comes out and it's 100 degrees, we don't get mad that it's sun shining outside and it's hot. We thank God that we still have the ability and the health and strength to work. There's always an upside. There's always a God side. Choose that side. Oh, I have a verse for song. We'll ask for a verse of invitation.